Okay, let's go. Andy Holloway live from London. Do you live in London? Uh, southwest of London, just between Epsom and Rygate, a little village called Kingswood. Nice, nice part of the world. Um, thanks, yeah, right. thanks for joining us on the pod, hopefully to talk all things kicking. Uh, are you well? Are you good? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, as, as good as can be. A um, fair bit of adapting coming up in the next few weeks, I think, with the, the kids being home as of tomorrow, but good excuse to get a, a, uh, a kicking goal out in the garden and uh, use that to try and upskill them for a few weeks. There'll be a lot of, uh, there's actually already lots of, there'll be lots of skill stuff. I think people, coaches might yeah. become more creative in the next, uh, however long it is, just around development. Yeah, yeah there will have to be. You, you make, when, you, when you get robbed of what you think are your coaching luxuries, you come up with some weird and wonderful ideas. It's good. I've, I've, I've had that myself. So just see how maybe we can try and tee it into some English and some maths and that kind of thing in the garden. Um, now we're going to have to, I think. Yeah, combine the two. I like your thinking. Um, mm. Do you want to give a quick kind of summary of how you ended up here on your, your first ever? Oh, jeez. Mine's been a far from um, straight line from start to finish to get here. So um, uh, I, I had coaching kind of thrown on me when I was still playing uh, by a guy called Colin Jackson, who was the director of rugby at Bedford at the time. And I think I was 22, 23, and he asked me, Midway through the season, this is about the time of I think it's about oh two. This was oh two oh three, um, and and the the idea of I think Austin Healy was at the time was covering pretty much every backs position on the bench for England, or, um, and he he clearly liked the idea of a wing being able to play nine. So he threw me a lad called Simon Lincoln, um, who was a winger at, at Bedford. He's a, he's a teacher at Bedford School now, and. Um, Asked me if I'd uh, if I'd, I'd worked with him on his passing and kicking. Unbeknown to me, this um, was to take my spot on the bench, <laughs> Once he'd been skill, which was which was wonderful. So, um, but that 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 was genuinely my my, my first kind of crack at it. it was sort of twenty three, twenty four. Unbeknown to me, it's like a bit of skills coaching. So that was all around, all around passing and kicking, and I was kind of finding my own way and working it out for myself at that age. Coaches were very good at telling you what you weren't doing or what you needed to do but there was wasn't really any sort of um how or why behind it other than maybe probably Dave Allred at the time was probably the only coach um who was who was giving that kind of giving that kind of guidance um so you kind of had to try and work it out for yourself which which kind of did um I then had to retire from playing with a neck injury and then was thrown into coaching for the junior side I played for before Bedford called Wellingborough um where I coached there, um, they were in Midlands too, I think, at the time. So I was 24. Um, uh, coached there, then ended up moving to South End. Um, coached, played at South End one more season, um, and then ended up being head coach there in National Two when I was, I think, I was 30. I think I was 30. I was well over playing at that point. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm very over it. I was asked. If, if, you, if you have a crack at this, then you're going to have to stop playing. And I, I didn't hesitate in saying yes to that because I didn't want to play anymore. I didn't enough at that point. Um, uh, and so I had three really good years there. That, that, was, that was good fun. Um, it, it was a different challenge because there were lads I played with for a year. Um, so you, you've got the challenge of, A, the separation from being a player to coach. But there's, there's good mates that you're then coaching. Um, so we had that for three years. We we had two good years, and the third year was third year was really tough. Um, and they they moved me on at sort of near the end of that third year. Um, so I had a year of not coaching a team, but I started some specialist stuff with old Albanians at the time. Shanna, James Shanahan was head coach there. Um, so I just did some scrum half coaching for for like a session a month with Stephen Evenberg, and um, that was that was really good. And I started really really exploring that side of it and the ins and outs and the intricacies of passing and a very, um, very technical uh, passing and kicking um, and goal kicking. Um, and, and I was very kind of hung up on all the small technicalities and the details of everything I'd accumulated over the years from, from various sources and doing things myself. Um, and kind of fell into that trap of being an over technical, over informational coach. Um, Shannon's went to Plymouth in the championship and I, I ended up taking over at OAs um, and had, had two years there and it, I, I enjoyed 
many elements of it. And then there were others where I, I had probably a realization that I was nowhere near as secure in myself as I probably needed to be to do as good a job as I could have done. Um, so I, I probably caught myself probably trying to be all things to all things to all people, um, as opposed to being myself. I probably didn't actually know myself that well, um, or was that secure in myself at the time. So while it was a good learning experience, I think if I did it again now, I'd probably do it 10 times better, 10 times better in terms of dealing with people, dealing with different characters, um, being challenged. Uh, but it was a great learning experience. I learned an awful lot from um, the Avast in that time. So Vassi was an academy coach at, at Saracens. Um, and he played for me in that first season. I probably learned more from him, having him as a player and him helping me and, and pointing out certain tactical and um, technical elements of the game that I hadn't been aware of up to that point. So I le- learned a huge amount from him at that time. And those two years, I got the opportunity to spend a lot of time at Saracens. Um, I was based at Saracens training ground, so they were unbelievably open with me. And um, I- I'd have their players on loan in that team so I could spend the two days that I would have been coaching in the evening I'd be office based with the office based at Saracens training ground so I, I got to see and experience uh, an awful lot of different ways of coaching um, different ways of treating players um, seeing some of the, the stars of now six or seven years ago from you know seeing players like Mara Toji and Jamie George at the age of 18, 19 um, uh, coming up uh, all the way through so that that was very interesting um i went from oas to rosin park um again really enjoyed that first season different different challenges um from a tactical tactical and rugby knowledge perspective and i've learned a lot of lessons probably the hard way at oas with with um with people and being challenged and being secure myself so i was a little further along the line but probably uh, not as not perfectly secure of myself um, and knew myself well enough to do that very very well but I thought did, did a decent job for, for the first season um, and I moved on from there um, where did I go from there I went to Ealing I ended up at Ealing so I had a call from Ben Ward um, and I do uh, to do a couple of days a couple of days worth I say a couple of days but I do a full-time job nine to five around all this coaching so um, it kind of two days worth of coaching but in and around my job so it either happens before like early in the morning and then a, a small a small chunk in the afternoon on the days I do it um or so it'd be like with the nines in the morning um and then so before I work and then I do some office work uh, and then I'd have a chunk in the afternoon where I work with the kickers um and then I could tell that uh at the end of the day as well obviously depending what time of the season it is and that's been next season will be season number four actually with Ealing um, yeah, that, that's been really, really enjoyable seeing how that's how that's evolved from what was a a club that were on the up at the time, but have evolved from a professional sense and quality of player sense, facilities, um, and uh, different types and different quality of coaches coming in. So I've just kind of done the full spectrum from grassroots coaching bit by bit and climbed the ladder. And no point have I gone into or come through any sort of sort of premiership academy playing or or coaching route although that said i, I did uh, i did some work with uh, a young lad called josh barton and uh, and manu vinapola at, um at saracens when they were when they were 16 and, and 17 um i kind of did a season of um well this is about six months of, uh, of working with them um around their goal kicking and their punting to start with that's, that's pretty much been the only dipping into your your classic academy type route coaching everything else has kind of been combined with my my job job career and um evolved to evolve to what it is now and to do do some consultancy work with the england sevens team now as well which is which has come about so i've been able to get contact with that um and that, that's been amazing as well like um totally different circumstances that surround sevens and, and their challenges week to week and month to month um different different pressures different highs and lows and, and different coaching environments it's um yeah it's been really interesting Cool, uh, cool lads to work with. If you work with T Bob, mm. uh, Dan Bibby, and yeah, those lads be very uh, yeah, they're pretty laid, pretty laid back. Yep, <laughs> pretty laid back. But that's that's that, that's good. They they can, they can kind of split the switch from from being um, from being chilled to being to being on it. Which which that's the nature of sevens. You can be forty minutes of having to be on it, but then you could have two hours until you're actually playing. So you can't you can't be on it twenty four or forty eight hours a weekend. 
uh, and then then the maybe the two months ensuing to the next tournament so they're they're very good at riding those highs and lows actually it's um the amount of attention they pay to that side of things as well is, is, is brilliant yeah Tibor will be very good at that and then uh, talking of chills you also got to coach Manu so Manu's pretty he's pretty chilled as well isn't he yeah, I, he, I think he's more so now. I mean, I don't, I, I haven't, but I, I've seen him to say hi to. But yeah, back back then when he was he was seventeen, was he? I think he was in, he was just finishing his first year sixth form at, at Harrow at the time, and then going into sixth form and going into his big year. I mean, he was he was real, real quiet, really quiet, um, re- really quiet kid. But you, you can see like a real like steely determination um, in him. So I'm not I'm not entirely surprised he's he take, he's taken his chance when it came about. To be fair. He's done well. He's got a reasonable surname. He's a great lad. He's got a good, uh, got a good mindset. He wants to get better. What, uh, what do you mean by you weren't very secure in yourself? Um, I, I think more like by human nature is that when you're in any situation and maybe you're challenged or maybe you get any pushback or resistance to how you've got something across, it, it can make you feel. Um, it can make you feel. Uh, any sort of emotion but if you don't don't really understand where that emotion and where that feelings come from you can start to try and search and, and and try and find a fix for it or or just resist against people resisting against you or resist against people challenging rather than seeing it as a as an opportunity to to, to learn or, or grow and get better and I, I found myself getting lost a little bit in that um especially especially when were maybe challenged or sessions weren't going as well as they could do. Um, I'd find conversations with with players that weren't nice uh, or, or comfortable, um, but pretty awkward. Um, uh, yeah, and you spend a lot of time just sort of thinking that there's there's got to be a fix for there's got to be a fix for feeling like insecure in this way, or there's got to be a fix for. Uh, feeling anxious about things or not feeling normal about things. And it, it took a long, long time for me in my life to, to, to understand where that, come, where that comes from for me and, and that you don't need to fix it and that there isn't a fix and just to kind of roll with it. And it really took me until I was 38 to get to that point, um, which it's a lot of learning from 24 to 38 of, of um, having lots of moments like that, as, as well as the, the, good, the, the good, nice emotional feelings as well. Um, so yeah, I got 38, and the penny kind of dropped around that. It, it transformed how I how I coached completely. So what would look different? So a 38 year old Hollers coaching versus and on the pitch next to him is a 22 year old Hollers. What, oh, would, you, uh, mate, what, 20, what would you say? Mate, 22. I I knew a shed load of um, a shed load of stuff about the mechanics of kicking and 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 how. I passed um, as, a, as a nine and, and how that worked and, and all of what I thought were important intricacies around it. And it was very much like, here's what I know. And I know loads. You have it because, because for me to feel good about myself, I need to, my, my ego needs to unload all of this stuff for you. Cause I need you to think that I know tons. So therefore there's, there's what I know, go and do it and, and you'll be great. Um, 38, finally grasped and, and understood that you you don't have to tell anybody how to do anything in order to for them to get to be able to do what they're going to do perfectly you can you can guide them to that in in, in various various different ways um so it, it was pretty much if you me 22 was unbelievably technical or 24 unbelievably technically coach um probably right yeah up to 35 36 and then now it's it, now it's almost entirely through through feel um yeah almost entirely through feel which it, it's so, and it's such a so much more enjoyable way to coach uh, because it, it's it, it's a it's a two-way thing you can have fun exploring it you're not constantly searching for this recipe of what the perfect kick is or what the perfect pass is because it's it, it's different it's different for everyone um yeah it, it's it's a far more enjoyable experience what what changed at thirty five? What was there like a moment, or was there a? Um, There's about thirty. So yeah, do you know what? I, I coached a lad. I won't say who he is. Um, I coached uh, a lad who would tweet the odd thing here and there, and and I just had a conversation with him about what some of these things were about. It didn't make a huge amount of sense to me, um, and then 
um, he followed, I spotted a guy who also tweeted some similar stuff that, that this guy liked. And I read this guy's book and his book by Garrett Kramer. And I know you've met and spoken to Sam Jarman before. Um, a guy called Garrett Kramer um, called uh, The Path of No Resistance. Uh, and I read that and it, 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 to me now it's not gospel or Bible. Like it's not gospel by any means, but a lot of what was in it made a lot of things in my life in the prior 10, 15 years make an awful lot of sense. Um, and, and kind of reading that, I ended up feeling okay about a lot of things that probably at the time it caused me an awful lot of stress or, um, or, or well, at one point, like life experience, you end up thinking is making you feel ill. Um, and and I, I read that and, and then actually then that, that just transformed the way I thought about um, relationships with players and how I got things across and just bit by bit it just started creeping in to, to how I was coaching and in sessions so the, the idea around um, thought, thought and feeling um, so where this idea comes from is, is that whatever you whatever emotional whatever you feel has to be provoked by a thought so an inanimate object or a circumstance or, or a scenario can't that doesn't have the power to make you feel anxious or, or feel under whatever people would call pressure it is only that way because you've had a thought that causes you to interpret that experience that way and, and i i related that rather well kind of to life and, and I, I i do in life but i i suddenly that made the penny drop around um the experience of kicking the experience of passing the experience of any skill in a game of rugby is that the the event or what we call the execution of the skill isn't isn't the big event isn't the big thing it it, it just is because we see the kick as this this big anxious moment where it actually the, the way it's kind of transformed my coaching is any skill that i'm coaching is just a piece of move a, it's a piece of movement onto the next thing you're going to do in the game and that thing just happens to happen in the middle of it so they kick a goal happens in the middle of it the kick a goal is just uh it's a the actual execution of the kick itself is just a it, it's a moment or experience in life before you then move on to the next moment so everyone uses the phrase about staying in the moment but the moment's always the next thing you're going to do because the kick was the last thing you can do so i, I kind of try and revolve all of my skills coaching about going from one thing onto another and the skill that I want to be looking at potentially in a session is it's just something that happens in the middle of it. And I'll try not to even try not to elude a player as to what we're even working on. So for me, a kicking session of 20, a 30 minute kicking session could involve 27 minutes of various different sports and um, passing uh, basketball, tennis of being in motion and replicating and trying to um, replicate the feel for the player of what, um, a kicking motion would feel like from the back of your run right through to beyond the ball and then the last three minutes we might take five shots of goal and I, you sometimes find that the transfer you'll get from all of that motion and movement that's relevant into five kicks at the end you'll get more transfer sometimes not all the time but sometimes you'll get more transfer from that than you would do if you spent 20, 30 minutes of me when I was 24 of all the intricacies and the technicacies and the coping mechanisms and um, all the minute micro detail of what makes up a goal kick. Um, so I guess it's quite a long-winded answer, but that, that's probably part of how my, my coaching's evolved as well. The, that, the, that light bulb moment symbolises that, I think. And the 27 minutes would involve you trying to think about some different stuff that will probably help that person get better at kicking. So, yes. so you said, you know, you coach through feel and... What's your question around feel? Give me, give me some examples. So bring that to life. Okay, so, so like um, the feel of, of of fluid movement involves you being. So all of this would be based around for, for me anyway. I, I have three principles that I like to. One, one, uh, and each of these three principles sometimes has a different word to describe it. But it would be intent into what you're doing, um, posture at the point that you're doing it. And then if those two are there, then you'll get uh, growth and acceleration beyond what you're doing. So whether that is pass in motion, a kick at goal, a drop goal, a punt, a box kick, you could be clearing a ruck, you could be making a tackle. It, it, for me, I, I can dress, I'll can dress. i dress those three up to apply to all of that. 
Um, so th the, the feel of those three principles would be um, intent, intent for, for goal kicking would be your intent of motion from the back of your run to the ball and then beyond it. Um, but I, in the session would, would make sure that if, if you're too quick or, or you have too much intent too early up to the ball, so, for example, if, if, I, if I attack the ball and I am at top speed when I get to the ball to kick it, can I accelerate beyond it? If you're already at top speed, you, you can't accelerate. So it's the, the, the control of intent. So that, that would be where that principle will come into. Posture is the, the tall, strong positioning when you do anything. Now, tall, if you wanted to then equate that to clearing a ruck or making a tackle, no, you don't want to be tall. But your, your tallness would then be angled down. So your, your strength through your core and your body um, is, is still there. So you could dress up posture as strength or, or, or power, um, be, however you wanted to word that. And then, uh, and then beyond is the acceleration beyond it. So, so feel is any, any activity where I can engender those three in a similar way that is going to feel like a goal kick. So I could pull them out, pull them into an activity which engenders those three and then throw them into a kick goal or a box kick or a variety of different types of passing scenarios. And they, the idea is they're able to apply that. And, and the transfer of learning is awesome from that because it, it's not, it can't be conscious because it's, it, it's physical feeling or physical feeling and sensation of acceleration into something, good tool posture and acceleration beyond something. That you're just changing the you're just changing the something, um, so the feel the feel around the something is the same. Um, you're just in a slightly different position potentially when you do it. So we might for the for the nines for some off the top passing. We might like dealing with last week we'd we'd use a tennis court and a basketball and we'd have two nines at one end and two at the other. Um, every every shot has to clear the service line at either end. Um, uh, you can only pass one handed um, with a basketball. So you can go underarm, underarm one-handed with a basketball. Ball's allowed to bounce once. Each catch, the ball's not allowed to catch your chest. But then I might throw in a condition on it that every pass, you, every pass you throw, if it's off your right hand, you have to be able to walk out of it to the right. Just bits to encourage them into the feel of, yeah. otherwise, into the feel of staying square, long arm, wide base, getting set early. All these things. That if I just did it with a rugby ball and gave them all these clunky little mechanical things to do, you wouldn't get a fluid transfer of learning. Um, so it's kind of dressed. It, it's it's a. You know, I don't know the terminology of it. I'm not. I, I don't usually buy into the terminology of like the constraints-based approach or whatever the whatever sports scientists could call everything. But you, you're constraining what they're doing, but trying to engender the feel of what they're going to feel when you put them into the rugby environment. Um, because my experience is the transfer of learning from feel is far more natural and far more fluid than clunky instructional bits of an actual skill if that makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense what about and what would that look like from a kicking point of view so i can i can visualize the passing stuff that makes sense to yeah. me that makes sense. Part, 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 passing as well so maybe I, I do this with i've done this with the sevens boys i've done this with with those of kickers you set up use the crossbar um as your net as such again this is this is another like tennis type thing but i'd use this use this for kicking um but it involves passing. So, so one of one of the big things we're talking about feel um, is is how we use our how we use our body um, to to generate these these three principles I was talking about. So, so intent you need to accelerate or, or start moving. So, in order to start moving, you need to be you need to be grounded. You need to be physically in the floor to take power from the floor. If if you're very like tense in your postures, pouring your tense around your arms and your neck. If you if you stood up now. And clenched your fists and and tightened your biceps and your and your shoulders up, and then release them down. You'd naturally feel yourself sink into the floor. So we are most in the floor and in the best position to accelerate and push off when our arms are loose and we're relaxed, and we're in a tall position. Um, so I that that is transferable with passing and kicking. The two same things. So this this game we play, say with. Um, with the crossbar, I'd have a court marked out on one side of the crossbar, maybe 10, maybe 12, 14 metres long into the dead ball area. And then another court marked out the other side. Um, 
same game, but you may have to, we'd alternate. So you go left hand, left hand shot, right hand shot with the player either side of the bar. Um, but the constraint would be every shot has to go over the bar. So that would encourage like very tall, uh, loose arm, but everything is, is forward and up. So if you think your, your forward and up motion would be, uh, would be um, transferable for restart type kicking. So maybe, maybe a dropouts, that sort of thing. Then you change the constraint to under the bar. Now, you've still got to be tall. You've still got to have good posture, but then everything is actually forward and along. So then that's more your posture that you'd have for, and the feel that would engender as a goal kick. Um, we do it, you, you can do a rugby ball and actual kicking itself. So you could drop kick over, drop kick under the bar um, to engender that feel. But the, the principles would be exactly the same for passing as they would be for kicking. Um, rebound next stuff with the basketball as well to encourage loose arms. Um, loose arms and good posture boom, to be able to throw and, and accelerating out of that in a good tall position any of that movement then go and stick a ball on a tee and then say go and kick a goal just walk away from the tee and do it the, the transfer is unbelievable if, if, if you're able to get them to feel what you want them to feel when they go to off the tee and the thing is everybody's different so I could say to a kicker there's the tee I'll come back 45 degrees and line your left shoulder up here but kicker A might have really short squat legs that have no flexibility around his hips and kicker B could be a really tall languid guy with elastic hips that go all over the place and there's there's no there's no recipe these games and these um these kind of feel exercises are all around helping players understand how it best feels for them and what best position feels for them to be able to do the exercise I'm doing for them and then that feel will transfer to whether they're off the tee, whether we're goal kicking, whether we're doing some passing emotion or whether we're going to their team stuff. And would you would you ever find yourself looking at people as lots of coaches do and going, I know the answer. So I know the answer here. And then would you then go, actually, we're going to slightly adapt this practice or are you... Would your experiences, would they allow you to actually notice that there's trends and there's something that's going to change someone and actually your preference would be to then adapt it here or you feel like actually they'll find a way without me intervening too much it depends on the 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 the, the circumstance or, or when in the season it is so like if, if you you're in you're in end of june mid-june and you know you've got a six-week run of this then um <laughs> then, then 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 the latter because bit by bit, if you, you, you play different little, little games or you've got different field-based exercises um, around it, they'll get, they'll get to it. But, but if you've got something that's cropped up on Saturday and I've got the guys once on a Monday <clears throat> and once on a Thursday and then we've got game and there is a trend in there and, and it's something that we've got quite a finite time, there'd need to be an element of both. So I could try and lead them to it through one of these exercises. But there might be a point within it where you're like, they're, they're not getting it as quickly as they need to. This is not as quickly as I need to because I don't have to play at the weekend, but, 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 but they might need to. So, yeah, they're, they're, it's, not, they're, there's no, it's not like there's no technical input at all because I, I, you can't go down this field approach unless you've got the technical knowledge to back it up because, believe me, players, you, you'll know, players will find you out within three questions whether you're bullshit because <laughs> this is why sometimes I'll go and do CPD stuff and my, my big sometimes uh, like coach to coaches type thing and, and I, I get there and I, I know they're expecting me to people expect me to say oh well yeah there's this exercise and that exercise but unless you've taken the time to go and, and, uh, and research and kind of feel it yourself whatever drills exercises you give someone that a player will quickly get to your glass bottom as to whether or not you're just getting them to do something because you've seen someone else do it or for the sake of it or, or what the actual depth to it is um, so the technical side of it I can go to and I will go to sometimes and sometimes a player loves it sometimes a player will lap it up there are some players that, that yearn for that they'll want it they're like that for them is a light bulb moment if and if they want to feel that as a light bulb moment great and there's other there's other players like um, the nine I work with the best thing he ever said to me in a, in a session was he, he was about to hit a box kick and I just kept reinforcing verbally, like the two, there were two points that I felt he wanted or needed to to have in his head, and 
and he just turned around to me and he said, nicest possible way, he goes, man, too much information. And the old me would have been like shriveled into my shell and gone, oh, fuck, I can't stand the fact he's just said that. that that's really angered me. And then I was like, <clears throat> so right. Like for him, for him at that point, and for him generally, any information is too much information. So le- le- leading them and engendering feel for him, that, that works. Uh, other players, they might, they might want a little bit more of a push and a tell. There's this, that's the beauty of coaching by feel. I think there's, there's, there's no recipe to it. There's no like, I've got these three principles and therefore I'm going to go out and I'm originally going to stick to these three. And if you don't get it as a player, that's your problem. This is how I'm coaching. Um, You've you got to be pretty adaptable to it, but you can't do that unless you've got the technical knowledge underneath it. So when you are pressed and the player does scratch behind the surface and they do want more and they do want an element to tell, it's very powerful to be able to go that route. Yeah, there's a few things I've been thinking about then. Uh, I just had a missed call off Marcus Smith. I was just written his name down. <laughs> I watched uh, <laughs> I watched John coach, um, and obviously I know you, you, you would know Johnny as well, coach Marcus in an 18s camp, and he spoke a lot about the, I want you to enjoy the stuff after the kick. So actually the yeah. predominant the focus was the after the kick. So yeah. the kick almost yeah. became something that just happened. And so I think yeah. he spoke about one, two, three, four, five. First two steps, you know, and then the, enjoy the three steps. Yeah, after. Like, your, like your five gears and third, the kick takes place on gear three. Yeah. Fourth and fourth and fifth are when you get to, you go from 75 to 100 and that's the bit we all like. Yeah, that, it is. It, it is, and it's kind of, it, eventually it takes, you can't, you can't take away thinking from players, but, but bit by bit, all of a sudden, the, the kick doesn't become the thing. It's, it's just, you're just going on to doing something else next. Yeah, definitely changed their thinking around it, which I liked. Second one was I was at cricket on Monday night and one of the lads is really struggling with this shot and I was like, and then when he hit it, I just was like, what? You know, what did you feel then? And he just said, oh, I really felt I took a really long stride. Uh, I said, oh, would you normally, you know, might be worth thinking about that, you know. But once again, <laughs> simplifying some stuff down, and, you know, maybe two's too many. Maybe it is just one thing to focus on. Yeah, yeah, and it could be something completely. Uh, I find that one thing to focus on, but I, I try and almost make it nothing to do with the yeah. kick. So, like sometimes, if if a player, um, if if you give them something to do at fifth gear, like a number five of those five steps, give them you just give them something to do afterwards, just like a shot goal. And um, but before they're at the back of the run, you say, oh, by the way, if, if you don't get to this ball before it bounces. Um, you're going to do 10 more of these or, or your challenge here isn't to kick the goal. I don't care if the ball goes over. I'm not looking at it. I've got another ball here. If you don't get to this before second bounce, um, that, that's deemed as failure. Um, just different, different ways that engender the principles you want from the skill, but kind of make the, the idea is you, you're eventually getting to a point where they're, they're just doing rather than thinking about it at any point. Um, you can't control what people think, but you can you can you can help them point them towards. You don't have to be this stereotyped um, focuser or, or, or all on the all on the big all on the big event. Um, I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if if a goal kicker, a goal kicker's ego, would allow them to literally plonk the ball on the tee, turn their back, walk six or seven meters, and just turn around and go and kick it. And just literally just, just do that without without the worry of someone going, oh, he rushed it. Oh, he rushed it. I oh, didn't go through his normal routine. It's like, what what is what is routine other than a, a human a human dreamt up security crutch for that, that we pretend makes us be able to do things repetitively and do things well next time? It's it it, it, it does There are um I mean once again, there aren't many players in the world that don't have a routine though, are there? So and even, uh, no. if you know Woody, so Mark Woodrow, who I used to play, used to be able to kick right foot, left foot. Yeah, remember him when you boys beat Wasps years ago at the Suburban Solihull. Looked yeah. like you're sitting on the toilet, yeah. And he, um, and he could do everything. He'll go, oh, Johnny, here's a Johnny Sexton kick, here's a Johnny yeah. Wilson, here's yeah. a left foot, here's a... And he could do all the different run-ups. I mean, I've never seen anyone could kick a ball like him, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Just Everyone's got a routine, and I think it's kind of like they feel like they have to. They kind of like they think they have to, like that. They, they, I think, just the, the way we've evolved as as humans, and the way we've we've kind of mentally been conditioned is that um, 
something has to look this way in terms of it because that's what I did last time. So if, if when you do something well, the, the, the way we kind of have evolved to be, and I wish we weren't, if you could kind of wipe our, wipe the conditions from our mind and our thinking each time we do something, is that we will attribute why we did something perfectly to something in the past. And so therefore the next time we do it, we try and replicate what we did in the past rather than just doing what we're doing now as, as well as we can do. And that, that I, I, that's kind of where, where routines come from. So when we, when we, so, so take, when you go and play, say you play golf, yeah, I've been speaking to you when you're on your way to somewhere very infrequently. I bet. Yeah, once a year I play golf. Yeah. So, so we play golf a, once a year. I have a beer. I don't drink, but I have a beer. Before. <laughs> so I mean, I, I've not played golf at times for like two years, two years not playing, and then played the first three holes and played like a pro for two of them like unbelievably well but then you even you then start thinking and attributing reasons to why you're playing well and then it all starts to fall apart because you start overthinking you you think your way into that's why i need you think to think yourself yeah yeah you, well, you you start thinking yourself to a point where it's going well because of this so then you focus on the because of this as to why you think it's going well and then everything else falls apart because you're just focusing on that one thing because you, you think about that if, if if we could just sack off any of the whys of what went well before and just do something again and do it again without the baggage of, of thinking that what we did before has any power to define what we do next then everything would everything would feel perfect i know this is a utopian place that we'll, we'll never get to but but when you're talking about kicking routines and things like that people people will have a kicking routine because they think that attribution contributes to them kicking well because that has once happened when they kicked a decent shot of goal because that's how they were holding their hands or that's how they were frowning or that's how many breaths they take when it how, when uh, it doesn't so how do you i mean and then how do you connect up so clearly you'll be working with nines and tens and, and lots of the practices i would see would probably lack context they probably will miss some of the stuff of is it the right time to pass is it the right time to run? yeah how, how are you factoring that type of stuff into your training how are you trying to it's tricky with the it, it it's kind of tricky with with the size of the groups that I've got, but I, certainly some of the, the 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 kicking stuff you can you can certainly um, uh, bring decision making into it, um, and also then testing whether they really are they really are trusting their the, the the principles of what they're doing as opposed to the technical details. So we might we might be a session where I'm taking some lads and we'll 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 be going through uh, looking at little kicks to score into the dead ball area um but what what choice they make as to what they do is based on my positioning as me as a backfield defender um but the MCC, if they're really if they're sticking to principally what we want lads to do which is which is intent which is, is good good square posture and um and being loose with their arms you should then be in a position to be able to pass or kick or run you, you should be in a physical position to be able to accelerate into doing any of those three so so by by giving them little decisions to make within it we'll test we'll test whether they're sticking to those three things or not um so yeah it might, it might be that uh they'll, they'll have a, a little fun little fun task where they've got a i don't know they'll, they'll take part they'll take a pass off a nine as a ten um <clears throat> uh, they've got a, a box target but they can only get to the box target either around around an obstacle or, or through an obstacle so then they've got to adapt their type of kick um late depending on which obstacle we tell them they've got to kick around or kick over and then they've also got to incorporate is that even the right decision to do that because am i am i coming up high as the last defender which is leaving space in behind am i sitting back so if i'm sitting back are they physically in a position to be able to sling the wide pass to a support runner in space so you can do it with small with small groups with maybe three players but it is a challenge when you've got six or, or even nine then you can play some backfield cover stuff which then when which then puts that puts that under i don't know i said pressure but it gives them decisions to make and they, they have to start to then adapt their body because other than a penalty kick to touch no pun in the game's the same yeah that would be my observation of lots of uh kickers and scrum offers is that and, and, and there's sometimes ask some of the people available they just don't ask them uh that they would, you know, scrum off, you know, it's the same pass for a static player, no option to run. Um, 
doesn't look that much like a ruck, quite frankly. Um, there's <laughs> rarely ever a kick or pass option, and there's only yeah. one side of the ruck that's got a, a receiver on. So, and I do yeah. get, it, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you're you're always trying to be creative. I guess if you've got small. Well, uh, and also, also, I think some of it is you can you can you can really limit a player's mindset to a session and therefore as a result limit their their adaptability in a game by by even prepping them on what the session's going to be about by even telling them um so we, we could have a block in a nine session where well not could but we do frequently but they, they don't know what they're going to be doing next on every single rep so there'll be a part of it's not as loose as you make it up as you go along, but you make sure where you've got the pile of balls has got either side of the ruck. You make sure um, you, you, can, you can give them visuals um, in what would be the defensive line that they've got to be able to see on the way across and uh, mix, mix things up like that. Um, I think the second you say to a lad, uh, right, we're going we're gonna to do the, the, we're gonna do 20 minutes of passing here, they're, they're, just, they're straight into that narrow, narrow-minded focus of that's what we're doing. Um, rather than rather than leaving it open ended, they're, they're dressed up. They're, they're called skill sessions. They're called skill sessions. They, they, they wouldn't ever be called kicking or passing for me, really. Um, but they'll incorporate both. And then I'd always coach in any session based on the three principles because at any point you could flip from one to the other, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't if they are trusting and applying the principles as opposed to technically what they think they need to do based on what they think they know is coming next. I, I know I'm going to throw a, a wide left-handed pass from a ruck to a, my pod off nine over there. Um, then, then they're prepared. Then they're prepared and aware enough to to do whatever you ask them to do next. And that that's the game because you never know what's you never know what's coming next on the next phase. You never you never do. So you've got to be in a position be in a position to see see everything um, and execute everything. And then the 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 physical and feel of of those things is the same as to whether you're passing or kicking. I think. And you fit in in your coaching remit, albeit small time in the week, around some of the kick stuff, so kick chase, you know, all the stuff that's become more and more important the higher game you go, you know, kicking meters and kicking to catch and kicking to recover and all that type of stuff. Is that part of your remit as a skills coach? Uh, no, not, not, not necessarily. I think on the, well, on the kick to compete stuff, I mean, we want more responsibility to make sure the nines can can kick and an adaptable enough to be able to kick in any different way so that we can compete for it this season I haven't done the stuff with the back three actually um that that may may be different next year but yeah I, I did do did do um a lot of stuff last year with the back three with their aerial stuff chasing different types of kicks and and again the the, the coaching principles were the, the way I do it was the same thing I, they'd always have something I wanted them to do afterwards which got them into the physical position to do what I wanted them to do in the air. So if their uh, aerial skills chasing box kicks is, is, is different to aerial skills re- receiving, the position, the angle of approach to the ball is different. So give them something to do afterwards that makes them get into that position while they're getting in the air. Um, give them something in one of their hands, which means that they have to use their other hand when they're getting in the air, which means they'll manipulate their body in that way. It's, again, it's always something something to do before and something to do and something to do after so the thing that they're doing isn't the big event it's just something that's happening on the way to what they're doing next cool so if you want to chase and you look like you turn around to chase with your left hand in the air um, you've got a tennis ball in it you've got a tennis ball in it you can't catch it yeah exactly yeah yeah or, or, or yeah catching with clenched fists um <laughs> catching with clenched fists if you want them to if lads aren't getting their hands high enough when they're in the air um some of those little um Golfing aids, which keep um, keep your forearms close together to engender stuff like that. Just so they kind of have to adapt what they've always done. Yeah, exactly. Just things like that. Um, if you want them to, they're chasing a box kick and uh, say in the right, right touch line box kick chase and you want them to be angling in field of touch. You say the next thing you're doing is when you caught it, I want you to um, uh, punt into a box straight across the pitch. Yeah, and they can't do they can't do that if they've landed facing up the pitch. They can't do it if they've landed facing back. Yeah, nice. Um, 
yeah, just anything you give them to do after, just it, it takes away the thinking of why you're doing it and don't prep them, that's what you want to do. Don't don't prep them before that's what they're going to do afterwards. It could be as they land, right, punt over there, punt over there. Yeah. Oh, I can't, oh, I can't, okay, go and have another go. And then you're, you're bit by bit fine, they'll, they'll start to feel their way to be able to do that. And all of a sudden you're, but what are you thinking about? Are you worried about the high ball? I didn't even think about it. I was, I wanted my punt to be brilliant. I was thinking about fifth gear. I was thinking about fifth gear. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's true though. It's true. The worst thing about the high ball is when the ball, is when, as the, worst, the worst feeling in the world is the feeling when the ball's five metres away from the top of your head and you're thinking, you're thinking, don't drop don't, I'm going to drop it. Don't drop it. How do I not drop it? How do I have my hands? If, if what you're thinking, you can't control what you think, but if you're at the point that you're thinking, I'm going to step you once I've landed, um, I'm going to step you once I've landed, or, or you're, you're thinking about acceleration beyond, because the, the high ball, the chase or the receiving of it is just a, a piece of movement or acceleration where you happen to catch the ball in the middle of it, and it, it's completely different. Yeah. yeah. How's, how important is language to you? Give me some. Give me some ways you're you're using it in your coaching. Um, it varies from it varies. I mean, once you get to know you have to get to know players first. I, I think a little bit in terms of see what sort of language um, they refer to. It depends what they're into as well. How how silly they think. I mean, I've, some young lads two or three years ago, you'd, you'd get them to, to some uh, in terms of like passing or, or kicking. You asking them to attach an actual like descriptive word. Or or, um, or feeling or or some sort of a, a analogy as to what what the actual kick felt felt like like or, or the pass felt like was it like pulling your arm through glue how would you how would you describe that word and then you could attach that word to how it felt to them and then you use that repeatedly moving on so, so you use that to attach to the feel um, and I've, I've always say in the last five six years especially around kicking made sure that. Anything, any input with players, if you're not if you're not engendering feel for them to get to where they're getting to. So as you, you alluded to earlier about, do you ever go there in terms of like telling or, or teaching? It's just always something to do, to do rather than not. It's it's a really simple. And I know loads and loads of coaches have done it, but it's the it's the worst thing as a player to be like, don't do that, don't do this, don't think of a pink elephant. It's like, all right. Great, because when you go back to thought and feeling, angst comes from anxious feeling comes from thought. If you've been told to not think about something, you're probably going to think about it. <laughs> you're probably going to think about it, and then mental mental resistance will manifest itself in physical resistance. So it will have an effect on the movement. So I'll always try and make make any kind of verbalization. I'll try to is uh, I fall into the trap. Not sometimes we all do. Um, of something, something to do, something positive to go to, and that might. Uh, and most of the time, it will be principle, principle based, um, unless it's a player that, that needs some. That it might be a good trigger to have. The trigger might be something like a little technical point, but it will always refer back to one of those three principles. You'll always be underpinned by those. So then you're never really coming outside of three words. If you get to a point with the player, intent, posture, beyond. It doesn't ever need to be any of those three. That that's the point we'd want to get to. It would be their language. So them yeah. coming up with some fueling all my biases. I remember uh, Nick Wakeley saying to me when I, I talked about you know to do as opposed to to not to do, him kind of pausing for about five minutes in silence and going, <laughs> just taking away all my coaching language. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're pretty good at error, exporting errors. Would be my view as a yeah, which is great because they've already, which is great because they've already happened, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> already happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that 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 would be. I, I'd say that that's pretty that's pretty important. Um, and then it's it's a it's a judgment call and and getting to know the players. I'm very lucky that most of my stuff's one to one, one to two, one to three. So you do get to know um, the, the players well, so you can. Yeah. Not that you don't have to be careful in how you how you phrase and word things, but I think you have to be less careful than you would do as if you were phrasing it to a group because you've got to account for how 40 people are going to interpret yeah, yeah, what yeah. you've said. When, when you've got one, two or three people and you've spent a lot of time together, which say the, 
there, there's lads at Ealing that I've coached for three three seasons now. Um, you, you kind of get to know how someone's going to interpret or, or take from an emotional perspective how, and you'll learn their body language and 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 know how they feel because you know them as individuals as well. Um, I, I think with all the with how how much squads turn over players yeah. these days as well, you might know forty players inside out, but the following season, fifteen of those are probably gone. There'll be 15 new. So when you are speaking to the collective, you've got to account for 15 different pairs of goggles as to how they. It's hard, isn't it? How they're going to see it. I think someone said to me, uh, "You speak to everyone and you speak to no one." Yeah, Uh, true. You have 40 people there, and I'm definitely looking around, thinking 20 of them aren't listening. (laughs) Yeah, or you might be something 20 of them, 29 and think it's funny, or 39 think something's hilarious, and the 40th thinks. That's unbelievably offensive um, yeah. and, uh, and, and and terrible. So yeah, you've got to. It, it's it, it's it's tough. So it's kind of less huddles. Think. That's what I'm saying, right? Less big huddles, more individual conversations. Where does um, where would you see like psychology and the mental side of the game fitting into what you do? Um, yeah, massively. It's um, I can't read. I, one of the most satisfying. Um, an enjoyable aspects of it is is that I see any moment in a game or or any execution of any of the skills is just the moment. It's a it's a life moment or it's it's an experience. So therefore, there's no reason why coaching skills isn't a vehicle for coaching um, coaching. I'd use it as a vehicle for me, for the whole mental health side of things as well. So so you can you can you use all of that movement stuff. All of that intent, posture, and, and acceleration beyond—it's a perfect metaphor for the whole acceptance versus resistance um, idea of, um, of, of men- mental well-being and not uh, eliminating unnecessary thought, understanding irrational thought, understanding why you feel the way you feel. It's no different lining up a goal from ten metres out in front than walking out the front door and, and interpret, interpreting how someone said hello to you as to whether you think like hates me or quiet guys in a good mood it's like if you don't understand where where your feeling comes from in that moment everything's very very confusing and you'll go searching for a for a for a technical coping mechanism or fix and it's no different stood over stood over a kick than it is in life so the, the two dovetail massively and it, it, it's it plays it plays a big part in it for me i've had some really good um or not good because i, I guess the the experiences for the players at the time weren't good in terms of their they might have had had some had some mental health issues but, but being able to spend 40 minutes with someone kicking or passing but being able to relate what we're doing to what they're going through away from rugby and using that as the vehicle to maybe help them see the wood for the trees um away away from the game is um is, is really important and some of the stuff i've done with um some of the stuff I've done with Johnny and, and his foundation, where we, we've delivered some stuff like that to uh, stuff like that to companies. So using um, using rugby and ball skills as, as a vehicle to demonstrate um, and sort of point people in the direction of mental mental health. It's um, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of it because rugby's the same as life. It's just it's a load of moments one after the other. It's, it's no different. It just happens to be taking part in a big green rectangle with a load of lines in it. And someone yeah. telling you what to do. Someone telling them what to do and ruining it with a whistle as well. True story. Who's uh, who's influenced yeah. you? Who are the people that you would go? These people have influenced me. These these have yeah. And maybe who 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 continues to influence you? So where uh, where could you point some people towards? Uh, curious about this stuff. Um. Uh, it's an obvious one, but you know. If you, you listen and watch what Johnny said. Johnny Wilkinson says, well, you know, even you just listen to how he talks about it when he's on uh, on the panel, when he's when he's on TV, and he'll speak about leadership on the telly. Yeah, and it, it, it just all of that, all of that. But um, he's he he's a, a huge sort of learning resource as well as as well as a as well as a, a good mate. But he, he's he's an inspiration in that respect. Um, I'd say. It's it's something that I don't chase. I, I don't chase, to be fair, in terms of I, I won't go and read up massively, massively on it. Um, the, that book by Garrett Kramer was very good. Um, there was a lot in there that made a lot of sense. A lot of kind of like sporting analogies. Um, 
Um, I'm trying to think who else in terms of like influences over the years. Um, I mean, I've been coached by and coached with such a variety of characters and people with strengths and limitations, we'll call them. Um, so I've learned a lot of do's and don'ts. I, going back, right back to the early years, uh, Frank, Frank Patman coached me, so Howard's dad played and coached yeah. with him and him from a, from a actually tactical and rugby perspective at that age was um, was very, very good. Ali Hefer was good when he was player coaching at Bedford. That was that was brilliant. Learned a lot from him in terms of expectations of how to adapt to things changing in front of you. Um, I, I remember vividly um, a training session against Bedford Ath. Bedford Athletic we had when we, we didn't have a game at the weekend and Ali was at 10 and um, we'd called whatever we called from the midfield scrum and I wouldn't have even had a vague awareness of how the defensive picture would have been changing back then. Um, so I just went through what we were going to go through with and Ali went apeshit at me. Um, and said, what are you doing that for? This changed, that changed, that changed. Uh, we should have done this. And I was like, sure no, none of that crossed my <laughs> none of that crossed my mind. And so I learned, learned, learned a lot from him in terms of how, how much deeper the my game understanding need to be. Bassey was brilliant. Bassey said, um, one thing he once said to me when he was coaching another nine and he just, a young lad, junior academy lad, and he asked me to come along and, and just say, I'll oh, come and have a look at this. Um, and he turned around to me mid-session and I was nobody and just said to me, um, anything anything you're seeing, mate? And uh, I kind of hesitated. He goes, mate, I'm uh, I'm not too proud. He goes, I'm not too proud. Just, just say what you're seeing. Um, and that was from a, empowering me to feel confident to to say what I was feeling um at the time of what I was seeing that was brilliant I'll, I'll always remember that um uh in terms of never be too proud to to take advice from other people um yeah there, there we go I learned a lot from Don Barrell but he was the academy manager at Saracens at the time but he came and coached at OAs um in the second season there yeah, learned a lot from him, and then otherwise it's just been like. Um, Definitely didn't learn a lot about kicking from Don Barrow. Jesus, no, no. I think Don likes to think he can coach for can't. <laughs> Pretty uncoordinated around the. Uh, yes, yeah. But uh, just... uh, then recently, like some 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 of the experiences from other sports. I mean, I spent a day with the ECB with Kevin Shine, and that was yeah. that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Um, I, I really really enjoyed that. Just try and find sports where the movement, the movement could be replicated or applied to, to kicking or passing or the scrum half side of stuff. So that the GB squash was brilliant. That was that was really good. Um, just some of the language around that, around um, moving from one position to get to another position to then execute to then go on to what you're doing next, without your movement being compromised. I think there was loads of transfer from that. Um, Brighton Hove Albion Academy. That was that was a really that was good. I, I really enjoyed that going in there for the day um, and then yeah, so it's just a limited time I've managed to have around the, the sevens guys out there the, the, how comfortable they all are with each other to be themselves is is, ama- is amazing that, that, that's the one thing that really struck me yeah it, it, they there's no no arrogance whatsoever about anyone no one's no one's too proud to not be absolutely 100% right about anything. They'll, all, they'll, they'll, they'll suggest, run ideas by each other with no fear of like, if they don't look like Albert Einstein's of what their, what their little niche is, if anyone can pick a hole in it, they're not too proud to say it. And it's all taken in the right, all taken in the right way. There's, there, there appears to be zero, zero blame in any of it. And so as a result, everybody looks, A, they enjoy it, but B, they can all just be themselves. So they, they, it just, it's just really, really positive. That, that's the biggest thing I've taken from those guys, actually. It's a very low ego environment. And I think yeah. Tom Mitchell would be pretty damn good at leading that environment. Yeah, yeah. He, he, you, can, you can see that in him and, and how comfortable the other guys are around each other. It's, uh, it's good. The, the men and the women, to be fair. Yeah, it's, it's very good. Nice. Mate, where can people find you? As I head out to um, the run. Oh, yo, this is a test now. I've, I, uh, I think it's at Hollers underscore nine on Twitter. So if, if anyone wants to 
ask any questions or get in touch or tell me what I've said's a load of rubbish then they can uh, then they can they can do so yeah yeah uh, I, I'm something on Instagram but I don't know what but I think it's Hollis Dark. same as me not on Instagram mate. Yeah. not living in that world mate it's been a pleasure loads yeah, of, thank you enjoyed it loads of cool stuff loads of stuff that would definitely fuel my biases and hopefully get some <laughs> more curious around how they can coach kicking without loads and loads of technical input making people's brains explode yeah um, that's the way that's the way keep up the good work and we'll uh, we'll catch up soon cheers rusty thanks cheers, mate. Mate. Been a pleasure. Uh, cheers bye